to the Fish Nerds, the show about fish, fish, fishing and eating fish, the show that is always interesting, usually funny and mostly true. I am Dave Stewart, host of the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Podcast and the Fly Tying Mentor. Wow. Hey, thanks, Dave. And I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Licensed Fishing Guide, and award-winning public speaker. I love saying that. So weird. Uh, anyway, such a fun show. As you heard, I got Dave Stewart, who's the host of the, the uh, Wet Fly Swing uh, fly fishing podcast and uh, my apologies to uh, rich collins who is our fly fishing correspondent for uh, cheating on him this week but we're happy to have you welcome <laughs> welcome dave thanks all right so today on the show and we'll get into dave in a second so hang tight just a minute here because we got so much going on uh today on the show as you heard dave stewart from the wet fly swing podcast is here uh when you get done listening to the show go to wetflyswing.com and check out all the work over there, or skip all that, go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get podcasts and subscribe to the Wet Fling, Wet Fling, <laughs> Wet <laughs> Fly Swing uh, podcast. You'll, you'll enjoy it. And I don't fly fish much and I like it anyway. Uh, we also have um, an interview with George Cannon about surviving prostate cancer and how it's in, informed his uh, deep sea fishing and his life. Uh, he's an old guy, and I don't think he ever heard a podcast in his life until today. Uh, my mom came to visit this weekend, and we took her fishing. We recorded live audio on the fishing pontoon boat while she outfished everybody, so that'll be fun. Hugo Medeiros, our cooking correspondent, is here with a great or crappy recipe. Fish Guy Josh is here with another edition of Fish Guy Follows. And, of course, we have the news. Wow, action-packed show tonight. But since, Dave, you're here... I mean, before we go too much deeper, we should probably get to know you a little bit. Dave, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. That was that was awesome. This is uh, it's a little surreal to to be on the show. I guess turning the uh, turning the mic here. So this is good stuff. It's a fun time. And and first of all, uh, before we get too deep into other things, tell us, give us the elevator pitch of the Wet Fly Swing podcast. Why do you do it? What the hell is it? Yep. Give yep. It's uh, so it is all fly fishing all the time. Uh, I basically interview a new uh, expert guest in fly fishing from around the country, around the world. And the first 30, roughly 30 episodes are all steelhead. So if you're into steelhead fly fishing, want to learn about it, that's I've got some amazing shows there. I, I and, can't even believe there's yeah. 30 different ways to catch steelhead. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. Well, we don't, you throw a, don't you just throw a spoon and reel them in? That, that's what you would think. But yeah, <laughs> I've got some pretty, pretty nerdy uh, guests. And, and one guy I love to throw out the, uh, uh, he, he talked about summer steelhead, which is more of a kind of a West Coast thing. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he just nerded out on catching summer steelhead in the daylight hours. Which, Wait, what, you yeah. had a guy on, I think it was the most recent show, who was catching them out in Seattle, in West Seattle. Yep, yep. Um, right, right downtown, yeah. And I exactly. Thought that was yep. and, and I've interviewed a, a fly fisher, um, John Gehrig. Oh, uh, wow. And he was talking about, he had, he whenever he goes steelhead fishing and they're too far away to cast to, he has a friend who throws big spoons. And, and they track, they chase the spoons in to close enough where he can cast his fly to them. <laughs> That's awesome. The two together. So a really interesting uh, wow. thing. And, and I love that, that kind of stuff. So steelhead, that's insane. Um, and, and we don't have steelhead out here uh, in New Hampshire. All right. Where, where do you live? Uh, so in Oregon. Yeah. You're in Oregon. Okay. Yep. 
Yeah. I had you pegged as a New Yorker. Well, it's funny because I interview, I've had some guests from all over the country. So I've had some folks talk about New York and all the Great Lakes steelhead stuff. But now I'm in the trout season, uh, season two of trout. So I'm everywhere now. I've had mm-hmm. a bunch of people talking about trout fishing all over the country as well. So you did 30 episodes just on steelhead. Uh, and just real quick for the fly guys out there, your favorite steelhead technique? Uh, so, you know, the, I mean, the wet fly swing, that's kind of the, um, you know, the, the name of the, Oh, that's a thing. Yeah. So uh, I don't know of, stuff. See, this well, is problem. it's kind of a, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a throwback, like, you know, but yeah, the wet fly swing is, is basically swinging flies, uh, the wet fly swing. And you basically downstream and across, it's probably the simplest way to, to swing, to, to catch steelhead, just cast it out and let the fly swing. So you did 30 episodes on, on steelhead fishing and now you're diversifying a little bit. Why is that? So I just, you know, I felt like, I don't know, I, I guess maybe I was going to run out of information. <laughs> no, I mean, I just wanted to cover everything. I kind of got into it and I felt like there's so many great people out there. I wanted to just touch on everything in fly fishing. And I felt like I wasn't quitting at 50 episodes. I'm just going to go forever. So why not just cover it all? Yeah. And, and when did you start fly fishing? I started um, pretty much, you know, about as young, you know, I think whatever it was, 10, eight, my dad had a fly shop. So I grew up around a fly shop and um, I've been doing it pretty much my whole life. I threw spinners as a kid and stuff, but yep, pretty much since I can remember, I've been been fishing. Well, that's fantastic. And and you've interviewed some huge names on your show in the fly fishing world. You want to do some name dropping? Tell me yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, I, I wish I could just point to the, I, I always point to one episode 11 because Tom Larimer, he's a pretty big name. He's the, uh, um, guy running basically G Loomis kind of on, on their side. He's that's how you say it. Uh, G Loomis. Yeah. I would, it's Gloomis. I'm like, man, oh. what a dreary name for a country. <laughs> like, who wants to fish with a Gloomis? No, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, G Loomis. Yeah. That's one of our uh, companies out here in our area. But, um, you know, that was a good one. There's so many. I mean, I had uh, Jim Teeny on episode five. He's an old timer. I had, um, April Vokey, who's a big, uh, you know, female fly fisher. Who's just I heard that one. And yeah. I think I congratulated you on that interview. I was like, what? No way. You got her. And she's that like, one. she's like yeah. one of the top um, podcasters in iTunes for, um, for our Yep. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. So amazing. People haven't heard her show. She does a really good job and she's fabulous at fishing. Yeah. You know, so that's pretty, pretty good. They must've got some big downloads for that one, right? Putting her name in the title. That was uh, yep. That was probably one of my biggest. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where the other big one was, um, I had a guy named deck Hogan, who's one of the biggest names in steelhead as well in episode 20. And he, it's kind of a different episode. He actually, uh, half of the show was him talking about how his publisher kind of, um, screwed him a little bit, I guess is the best way to say Writers it. Writers will do that. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was this kind of thing. So I got a bunch of downloads because people just wanted to hear that story, but it was a good episode and I'm, I'm pretty proud of everything I've done and I'm excited to, to do the next one. Um, now, so I'm a new at fly fishing. I say new, I've been doing it for 20 years, but about once a year for 20 years, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble getting addicted to it. Now it took yeah. me this year. I caught my very first brook trout on a fly. Nice. Yeah. And it was super fun. I had a great time doing it. Uh, but I, I still don't feel like I could be, it's more effective than spin casting. So for those of us who have trouble like, connecting with it, what's that? What is it? Like, why? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know what it is? It's like, and you can go to the April Volke episode and listen to that one and listen to her talk about it because I love to dig into this stuff too with my guests. And she started fishing with spinners and a lot of people do, you know, they start with spinners, they start with whatever. And, and slowly the way she put it is you, you slowly, not everybody, but you get to a point where you've caught so many fish 
that it's not like it's easy, but you're just ready for like a new challenge. I knew it. And I've always said this fly fishers don't like catching fish. They want to be hard. <laughs> like, pretty much. like I'm like, you take something that's so easy. Catching fish is the easiest thing and let's make it really complicated. It's exactly. hard. And uh, it's, it's super, I mean, it, there really is not much nerdier than a fly guy. I know. I mean, you talk about, you get your entomology books out. Oh, and yeah. like, oh that's the Purdy Day Stonefly. Yeah. And then you give them all crazy names and there you go. Exactly. Uh, you tie your own flies. You do, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And you're starting doing this tutoring thing where you're yeah. having these online courses for fly tying. I should take yeah. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a, it's a little course, the Fly Tying Mentor. It's uh, it's basically a subscription box where I just send out a, all the fly materials you need. It's for the, the first part is just like a beginner course. So if you've never tied flies before and you want to get into it, I basically send you out a, a box every month and you get all the materials and, and flies and you learn how to, and a video instruction kind of stuff. Oh, like that I, that is I, so we, we were talking off here. I didn't quite catch that piece. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like a subscription program where you mail the box to my house of all yep. the materials. All the materials. Oh, see, then then funny. there was another fly box company who mailed us boxes. And by their title, I thought that's what they did. And instead, they gave us just flies and books. Um, and, and now you're on to something. Yep. I think you're really on to something. I, I misunderstood you before. Okay. Um, and, and so that's that's magical. So then mm-hmm. you get the box, and then you go on the YouTubes, and you watch. And it's, and yeah, and this isn't – so these are all separate. These are all in my uh, – basically under Vimeo. They're kind of private courses. So it's mm-hmm. all uh, – you go through the, yeah, normal kind of paywall Vimeo. thing. Yep. And you open it up to all your, your stuff and your course. And there's going to be – you know, there's a group, and there's just the whole – a little bit of coaching where needed. And, yeah, it's, it's – um, I'm kind of testing the waters to see how much, and I'm, I'm kind of doing a two month launch here. So I'm trying to get feedback from everybody as I go to make sure it's perfect for what people need. Yeah. So let's say I want to subscribe. Is, mm-hmm. is that open for subscription yet or are you not quite there yet? Yep. It's ready to go. Just go to flytyingmentor.com and it's uh, it's right there. You just click on and and basically you can sign up and, and all you're doing is saying you're, you want to get emails you know every week to hear what's going on up to the launch until, and you know, when I launch it, which will be probably in a couple months. FlyTyingMentor.com. Yep. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes so people can click through and get in there. This sounds great because my daughter ties flies for me. Like she's always, nice. we go to the town, the state fair, and she, there's always a fly guy there tying flies, and she ties me a new woolly bug every year. And I, yeah. I put it in my hat because I don't think they catch fish, but it looks really cool <laughs> in my hat. So I stick it. They do. The woolly bugger is the greatest fly. <laughs> That's what they say. Uh, so we got, uh, I put out on Facebook this morning that you were going to be on the show. And Lo and behold, uh, we got a lot of words here. A lot of people <laughs> had some uh, comments about you coming on this show. Do you want to go through some of them with me? Sure. All right. So Troutman Orf, uh, Ott, I don't ask that. Troutman Ott. His name is Steve in real life. I don't know what the hell his moniker names. Uh, but he owns a fly shop in North Conway, New Hampshire. One of the only mm-hmm. two fly shops in the whole state now. Wow. We're almost, they're, almost, they're almost extinct. Uh, and he wrote the words, I don't know what this means. Uh, lies in ring lift mm-hmm. dot 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 thoughts. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, and I actually that one I um, so basically it's just uh, with nymph fishing. It's a type, and it's going to be hard to explain the whole thing, but it's a way to basically get your fly down to the fish at the right level and, and kind of control your your rod lift. That, that's all it's saying. So the best way to put it is, um, I do have an episode coming up with Devin Olson, who's a big Euro nympher. And those guys are probably the best at doing, you know, this sort of technique where you basically control your your nip so it's at the exact correct level. 
And that's essentially what it is. So you're not using an indicator with things floating under an indicator. You're just basically holding your rod tip up or down to get that perfect, that perfect drift. And that's, that's what I do. And I, I, I'm not as big of a nymph fisher as some of these folks who are like, you know, the Euro nymphing is a a science. I mean, these guys are just killing it, but I do, I, I usually don't use indicators and I'm kind of, a tight line um using this sort of same lift technique and yeah yeah i've done better with uh tenkara than anything because i don't yep. to cast i just drop it in there and catch fish exactly um, which is great for like uh, crappies and panfish and that sort of thing you don't have to cast to those things Tenkaras, yeah cool yeah. so if I'm, by the way in new hampshire tenkara is not fly fishing by law it's an, so oh really you cannot in fly fishing river you cannot tenkara fish no kidding wow yeah because the fly guide association got together and when when tenkara started getting popular and and made the state redefine fly fishing as that is funny the rod the artificial fly and the real combo all you know, things together otherwise it's I, not fly fishing i don't know what that all went down to how that all came to be but that seems just a little extreme for me i mean it seems like you know, a little bit of wasted time. Like, you know, if you want to know why people call fly guys snobs? It's right yep, there. That's what I mean. And, so that's what I mean. Not, and not everybody's like that because that just seems like kind of a bureaucracy sort of thing making that call. Who cares? They also, yeah, exactly. They're also so powerful. Like the New Hampshire, we outlawed lead um, sinkers below one ounce and split shots below one ounce and jigs below one ounce, except for flies. <laughs> lead is legal in flies, but not. No way. Yeah, because that, that, they're so powerful. That's crazy. Yeah, and and you know, fly guys never lose lures. <laughs> yeah, right. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So Rich Collins, who is is our fly fishing correspondent, he oh, worked. Cool. He was a contributor to the show. You'll hear him later in this show. Uh huh. Not catching fish when I fish with my mom this week. Um, but I'm going to read here what he wrote. I would legitimately mm-hmm. like to better understand a a swing technique for say steelhead, which is perfect for you to answer. I believe the concept is to allow a nymph or a streamer or B, to bump along the bottom in the current. When the line begins to tighten, the fly will rise much like a nymph would rise to the surface to hatch. An upward swing causes the fly to lift up in the water column towards the surface. It's a very natural-looking presentation of a hatching bug. However, why do some fish only take on a swing, and why do some fish only take a swing when it's put exactly in the tip of their nose? Aggression bite? Question mark. I get confused between the idea of mimicking the natural insect life and the stuff I see in New York and the Salmon Rivers, which is one small step from snagging a fish in the lip by planting the fly right under their kisser. They get mad at it and bite at it, <laughs> and then uh, everyone prays they set the hook. So I guess I'm asking, as it pertains to swinging flies, are the fish being fooled by a natural presentation, or are they being irritated to strike by a foreign influence in their face? I know a swing of a fly can be deadly, from the rising action, but I swear that salmon on their runs aren't thinking about eating much at all. I would yep. love to know the difference. All right. Yep. Yep. That, you know what? I'm going to give you the answer there is that uh, they're both correct. Yeah. Uh, because, and it depends, you know, nobody loves, nobody likes to hear the depends, but <laughs> you know, the thing about steelhead is it depends because it depends on how long the fish is in the river because, and it depends on where you are because if you're talking about summer steelhead, like we have out here, these fish come in and they're in the river for a long time. And in that time, the longer they're in the river, the more they become like trout. 
So if you catch them like right away when they first get in, they might not be into trout type flies. But if they're in there for like six months, all of a sudden they're they're kind of into it, right? They're kind of be coming back to their they were they are trout, you know, these are trout, they're rainbow trout. So they have to practice being animals again. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what and but you know, uh, different from that, like out in some of the other areas, East Coast and that stuff, you have these fish, it's a it's kind of a totally different thing. And then you throw in water temperatures. The cooler the water temperature the more you got to get down to the fish because they're not going to rise up to a fly that's swinging on the top necessarily. So you got to use a sinking line that's swinging down to them. And I've had some really good episodes with a couple of Great Lakes guys um, that talked about how they get down to some of the rivers out in the Great Lakes out of Michigan. And they basically got to use really heavy lines and you got to get down to these fish because they're not going to move that much. So, but you know, out of irritation, yeah, I mean, if these fish, they're, 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 interested something swinging in front of their face and i'll give you a good example of what happens this is especially if nobody if you've never summer steelhead fished before this is why it's so addicting because you'll swing your fly down and sometimes you're using little tiny flies for steelhead like size eights even smaller and the fit this fly will swing on the surface just in the surface film and that steelhead will come up from its laid uh, its lie down below and, and come up and just touch it with its mouth like checking it out mm-hmm. and what the, what that will feel like on your line is a tap like somebody's just tapping you, you know, like if somebody tapped you barely on the shoulder and like, if you don't know what it is, you would never even know that was a fish, but it's a steelhead because you just know it's a steelhead. So if you put that same exact cast back directly on that fish, it might come up and tap it again. But you know, I won't say nine times out of 10, but the majority of time when I get the same cast and put it back, it might be the fourth cast, but mm-hmm. that fish will hook up and it'll just slam it. So it, it tested and then the food comes yeah. back, comes back yeah. and then it takes the bite commits. John King is a fishing lure maker. He makes lead water, lead-free glass water lure sponsor of this week's show, actually. Uh, he's also one of our correspondents. Uh, but he makes these really cool big lures. He ties, you know, fly materials onto them. So, but he's also a big fly fisher. So he, he's mm-hmm. from Kansas uh, also. So John says, how about some beginner questions? I'm not going to make you do this, but um, <laughs> he wants to know five favorite must-have wet flies. So I'm going to say, what's your what's your favorite wet fly? Yeah. So my favorite wet fly, and this is kind of a weird. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of give you two, just because it's. I have one that's a, it's a tied down caddis, basically. A, a lot of people maybe haven't thought of that one, but it's a tied down, but just uses a peacock body, and that's one we've used for years. And you could swing that one just like you swing a soft tackle. Um, but I, you know, soft tackles are the other ones you have to throw in there because there's so many variations and that goes back so far and soft tackles. And that's, so those two are kind of the, yeah, those are go-tos for sure. All right. And so they says the coach man, uh, coach man, coachman, <laughs> the coach man, one of the oldest and still one of the best, for example, uh, what's yeah. your favorite raw material? What are your sticks made of? Yeah. So I'm all pretty much graphite. I'm not a big um, like rod nerd. Maybe I'll get there eventually. But I mean, I'm just more talking to people. I know that, you know, glass is, yeah, glass is back. It's got a different feel. Um, and bamboo, of course, you know, you, you got to love catching fish on a bamboo rod. Um, I, but yeah, I'm all graphite. I'm, I'm just kind of a, I'm more of a, um, what do you call it? Kind of a working man's guy. You know, I, I've got my rods that I use and you know, maybe eventually I'll get there, but um, I think that you know the, the key is finding a stick that feels good in your hand. That's mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. Yeah, and then for me, it's like whatever costs thirty bucks. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> John Garrett quotes uh, one of his fly fishing group here's McClure, who said a fly rod needs a very good reason to be under eight feet or over nine. Agree? <laughs> um, not well. I mean, a good reason. I think that. Um, 
definitely I have lots of rods that are over nine feet mm-hmm. and you know, with steelhead fishing, especially, I mean, the spay thing has become, you know, oh, the spay is like a two handed casting. Yeah. Two handed casting. Know a few things. Yeah. Yeah. So the spay rod is a two handed and some of those are up to, you know, I mean, some of the old ones are like 16 feet long, but a lot of them are like 12 feet, mm-hmm. 11, 12, 13 feet. But there's also like the trout spay is getting kind of popular in fly fishing too. So people are actually using longer rods for trout as well. But I think it's just like controlling of your fly, you know, a longer rod can help, especially like I mentioned, your own nymphing, they're using longer rods there. So I think that the argument to go over nine feet is, I don't think you have to make as much of an argument uh, under eight feet. I've never used too many of the small rods, but I think if you're in a, a small trout stream, small fish, then it probably is, it's helpful. Just switch to Tenkara. So <laughs> I'm not going to read the rest of his question, but John, you know, John can go on for days. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I'm a I'm trying to learn how to be a trolling fisherman. Uh, I'm trolling where I fish. It's uh, trolling for lake trout and oh, cool. Atlantic salmon, and they're down like forty feet or oh, wow. deep waters. And a lot of fly, a lot of a lot of trolling guys use fly rods, dragging a streamer behind the boat, a great ghost, that sort of thing. Yep. Is that still fly fishing if you're not casting? Yeah, that uh, that is fly fishing because you are still casting. I mean, a lot of times you'll have to pull it up and cast to a different area, and then then you troll. Mm-hmm. But it's funny because I interviewed um, uh, Phil Rolly, who's a big uh, still water guy up in Canada, and he's been on a recent episode. And I'm actually going to have him on a, a live webinar to to talk about some of his flies uh, that he's tied. But yeah, I asked him that question. He basically said he doesn't troll at all. Mm-hmm. because he, he just loves anchoring up and fishing his techniques but no i mean trolling is fly fishing because you still do some fly fishing and i think especially for people that are new to it it's a great way to catch fish well and and i'll tell you what like i don't care who you are catching a fish on a nine foot rod uh is super fun because that bends mm-hmm. like you wouldn't yeah. believe so it's kind of fun <laughs> All right. Uh, this episode is brought to you by you our listeners over at patreon.com uh if you want to support our show uh, we're asking listeners to give us a dollar an episode. That's four bucks a month. Just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash fish nerds. Click on the support and give us one dollar an episode. So every time I put a show out, you get charged a buck. No one will notice it. Like at four dollars a month, insignificant. But if all of our listeners do that, I can quit my job and be a full-time podcaster, which is uh, would be amazing. Um and uh, if you give us at you know higher levels, let's say five bucks uh, an, an episode, I'll send you a Fishner tat. If you give us twenty five dollars an episode, which is a lot of money, and most people can't do that, that's our sponsorship level. And I'll mention your business. Our friend Josh Lopes at LopesTax.com, LopesTax.com does that, and uh, and people go to him for taxes and for their for their accounting, and he gives us money. And I took him fishing the other day, and uh, his kid caught fish. So it was a miracle. We had a little summertime miracle. So uh, patreon.com slash fish nerds to support us. Hello, fish nerd nation. This is John King, the crappie hippie, founder of Glasswater Lead Free Lures. And in honor of the great time we had doing episode 203, we are offering fish nerd nation a special deal. You go to our website, glasswaterleadfreelures.com, enter the coupon code fish nerd, that's capital F, Small I-S-H-N-E-R-D, all one word, fish nerd. And you get 20% off your entire order. That includes our incredible new lure, Angle King. Thank you to Clay for giving us a forum for lead-free fishing discussion. And thanks to everybody for sharing the podcast and all the kind words. This is Crappie Hippie wishing you tight lines and valentines. Peace out.
to, all right, next up, I got a call today from George Cannon. Now, George is a 74-year-old prostate cancer survivor from New Jersey. He, uh, he uh, I, don't, I don't think he's ever heard a podcast, or I'm not even sure he knows what a podcast is. However, he agreed to come on the show. This is... Uh, this month, September, is Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, and so he wanted to share his stories about how he overcame prostate cancer and how he's having a relatively normal old man life uh, and what he did. Now, September, incidentally, is also Leukemia Awareness um, Month, and uh, one of our listeners who's been with us a long time is a leukemia survivor, uh, Ryan Dubay, so I don't want to ignore other cancers. There are too many kinds of cancers. There's too, so many cancers. I hate them. Um, but here's our interview with uh, with George Cannon, and if you want more information on how he found his uh, his cure, you can go to procure.com. To all right, fish nerds, we're hanging out uh, on the phone with our new friend. George Cannon, who is an angler, and more importantly, he's a cancer survivor, and I guess uh, September is is uh, Prostate Cancer Awareness Month, and so it makes sense to lead in this month with a chat with our friend George. And George, you're an old guy from New Jersey who fishes and has cancer. Is that right? You got me. Nailed it. We're done. <laughs> and uh, uh, going to be 75 this month, so I don't know if that's old. At, and, well, it's older uh, than some, but younger than others. Oh, I hope everybody <laughs> makes it. I hope and, so. And uh, done a lot of fishing. Yeah. So before before we get into the the cancer story, and we want to talk about that, tell us about your fishing history. You've been you love tuna fishing. You've got a background in competitive fishing. What's that like? Yeah. Well, uh, I've been fishing since early fifties. Uh, I live on the water down in. Barnicket Bay, Tom's River, New Jersey. That, you know, I'm from Canada, and, New Jersey. Okay. And yeah. uh, my first, well, my first major tournament that I went was in Cape May, Mid-Atlantic okay. 500,000. Nice. And, and uh, that I was hooked on tuna fishing, uh, caused myself to go by a 38-foot sports fisherman made by a local builder, Henriquez. <laughs> anyway, I, I went down there and uh, started in competitive uh, fishing. Uh, we always were fairly active in tuna fishing. And out of the first five years, we were fortunate enough to come in third. But with the Calcuttas and all that, it was just about 60000 we won. $60,000. So $60,000. And that was back so, in the 1950s. Nine, no, that was 1992, 93. Oh, okay. So relatively recent, last 20 some odd years. Yeah. Now, okay. Well, yeah, I heard that this past year that that tuna might have brought in a million and a half pot. It is. It's, 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 oh, I, I went down in my new Henriquez, and as I backed into the slip, I was the dinghy of the <laughs> tournament. <laughs> and You're the smaller There are a lot of wealthy people in this world. Well, it's it's obviously anyway, more anyway, and more really, those big fishing boats now are owned by bigger corporations and not by individuals, yep. and it's a whole different game than it used to be. Yes, it is. But anyway, the, I was hooked on tuna fishing and continued. Uh, we were fairly good at it, and I guess for the next ten or twelve years, I went offshore tuna fishing twice a week from July, probably through October. Uh, where in the last few years, I actually learned enough about tuna fishing and how to prepare them when they're caught that I would sell them to the Japanese buyers. 
Oh, perfect. And so everything was tuna fish. <laughs> and life was good. And then I got burnt out. Mm-hmm. And my crew, my crew got all full-time jobs and couldn't respond in an hour. And oh, so hang that's on what we used. So when, 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 when you know the bite is on, you call your crew and you're like, get on the boat now. we got to go right now. We missed- that's it, everybody. That it? We, we, were, we were all hooked on it. So, oh, you know, they left their job. I'd go down to the marina. My boat would be running. It would be gassed, iced. The poles would be out. The refrigerator would be stocked. And off we'd go. And uh, so we had a heck of a great run there for a while. And uh, still enjoy it, but not as much as I used to. And uh, it's not as good as it used to be either. Yeah. And, and so so now you're like a cancer spokesperson. You went from being a fisher person. And now I'm getting yeah. calls from, from booking agents who are saying, hey, Clay, I got this guy who's got cancer. He wants to come on your show. And I'm like, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Let me, let's talk well, to him. So you're, you're you know, talking about your prostate cancer uh, history. Right. Tell yeah, us about. I've been, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I've, I've been ignoring. Uh, this is a test called a PSA test. You get it in your blood. And I just kept, I kept having it done every year, but my PSA would gradually go up. And again, being ignorant, I ignored it. Mm-hmm. Well, we until, tend to do that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, we all do. And yeah. then if you ask other people that don't have the proper information, mm-hmm. they always say, oh, yeah, that doesn't mean anything. There's a lot of false negatives. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything. Yep. Well, eventually mine got so high that I says, okay, my doctor said, you got to do something. So I'm a pretty knowledgeable person about medical treatment. So I chose John Hopkins, which is the world's number one. Mm-hmm. Went down there. And he did a quick exam. He turned around. He had written a, a book also. And mm-hmm. he says, congratulations. He's, I can tell you, you got cancer. Oh, hooray. So, <laughs> so I said, <laughs> boy, am I lucky, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so the next thing you do is you have to get a biopsy. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, most men get pushed away from it, from fear, from misinformation, whatever. But right. that's the Either. only way they can attest. Mm-hmm. That's the only way they can prove whether you have cancer or do not. So I had the biopsy, and they rate the biopsy by a thing called a Gleason score, mm-hmm. and it goes from one to ten. And they take samples of your little prostate to see if it's localized and how bad it is. So, lucky me, I got nines every place they looked. Well, at least you know for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't get much higher. You know that sucks, and, man. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> you know, so uh, the news was not great. No. I'm a, I'm a pretty relaxed type of person. I'm not going to jump off the bridge. You know, so it is what it is. The next thing is how do you treat it? And uh, they also, you have two options. You can have radiation mm-hmm. or you can have surgery. And I said, well, I'm not interested in surgery. So we'll go radiation. Then the next thing is you have to teach yourself because all the hospitals want you. There's a big ticket dollar for them. Yep. And I found that from what I could Explore that proton radiation was the best. So, so proton and tried, radiation, and so you went to yeah. was it Procure? So I went to a company called Procure mm-hmm. in Somerset, New Jersey, and there's only 14 of them in the United States. And the reason the major hospitals don't have it cost up to a couple of hundred million dollars to put it established. You're kidding! Gosh, cancer nope. is so expensive. Oh my god! Uh, so. <laughs> 
you know, I wasn't happy. So I went up there and they said, okay, yeah, we have your medical records. You're, <laughs> you've got nine on your Gleason score all over. He says, so yeah, you have no choice. We have to start doing your, your uh, radiation therapy. And I said, you need 44 different shots of this radiation. It takes a minute or two per procedure. So for 44 days or for nine weeks, Monday to Friday, I drove up there and they gave me this radiation treatment. I started to look, they, they run this place so darn well, I started to look forward to Were go you able there. to drive yourself or did it, like, so I know people, oh, yeah. some people I know with radiation, no, they, they get really sick afterwards, they can't drive yeah, themselves. Not on this, no, not with, pro, not, not on, there's no effect, I had zero effect. Uh, I have no ill effects from the radiation. My prostate has been working the way it used to because, yeah, I, I'm, oh. I'm just like I was 25 year, years ago. That's amazing. And I'm taking some medication, mm -hmm. but other than that, um, I feel fine. Let me ask and, you, what, uh, what is your Gleason score now? They don't bother even doing that. In yeah. Other words, well, and, congratulations. And, it's amazing. Yeah. and uh, It is the, so uh, rotten. Well, congratulations on, on getting through it. Uh, now, do you have like a takeaway? Like if you, if you see here, you're talking to someone, what would you say to someone who ha is not thinking in terms of I could get prostate cancer? What would you say to that person? Okay. Um, you can also forget it and let it grow to a nine. Mm -hmm. Or you can have it analyzed when your scores are one, two, three, four, or five, mm -hmm. which is very minor. And it's very easy for them. Uh, well, to take congratulations care of. on beating. My father-in-law is a prostate cancer survivor, so ah, good uh, for it's, him. It's in our world. I think everybody in our lives, we all deal with cancer in our lives. It affects every. I mean, everybody. If we don't get yeah, it, yeah. our friends, our family get it. So you know, you're out here spreading the word. Um, so I'm going to go back up one more thing because this is a fishing podcast. Sure. Have you Have you been fishing recently? Uh, yesterday. Yeah, oh, cool. What would you go for? What a uh, small bluefish. Bluefish. Oh, um, man. Snappers? Uh, yeah. I yeah, took I, my grandkids and my son. Did, and we you, went eh, 200 you, feet in front of my house. That's the way it should be. Do you, do you eat them? No, I do not. Really? Oh, I, okay. They're a little too strong, bluefish for me. Oh, one of my favorites. I was spoiled by <laughs> fluke. I yeah, was they, spoiled by fluke and tuna. I can see that how you become, become spoiled with that. I still, I still always love eating bluefish. And in New Jersey, we also keep, used to catch weakfish a lot. Do you go for weakfish? Yes, we do. Yeah, weakfish will start turning a little better from through the month of September. Right, and so, those yeah, are and those are like those are good. Uh, yeah, they're so delicious. Yeah. so fun to catch. Yeah, they're great. They're yeah, and, I love them. Yeah. All right. So people can look up and they can go to pro, procure.com and learn more about your treatment. And are you are you on social media? Are you anywhere people can follow along with your story? Or are you just... Not really. I, um, just some guy. sort of private, but on something like this, I don't, I don't mind talking about it. Well, you know, who knows? You never know. You might say something to the right person and your words could save a life. So yep. uh, we appreciate it. Get a PSA it. test. And if it keeps growing, get a biopsy. And the biopsy is going to tell you whether you have cancer. And if you have cancer, go to Procure. All right. Do you have a mom? Yeah. Yeah. See, everyone does, right? Yeah. Does your mom fish? That's She used to, and uh -huh. she doesn't now. What happened? Yeah. You know, I think she may have caught too many fish. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's funny because my, my stepmom, Lynette, who I call my mom because she did all the job of mom and uh, essentially is my mom, uh, she taught me to fish when I was a kid uh, in New York City fishing uh, 
in off of Governor's Island, right in Manhattan. So we used oh, to cool. catch striped bass and bluefish right there. And she would eat. She her catch release is not part of her world. No. You know, she's catch and kill. And so even as a kid, she would catch bluefish in, in lower Manhattan. This is in the 80s oh, when, wow. when the river was as gross as it can be. Oh. I remember one time she caught this huge bluefish right off the seawall. Uh, and she filleted it, she cooked it, put it on the plate, and it looked like an oil spill happened on my plate. You can see oh my the glow of oil coming out of that fish. Wow. Yeah, but so, she's she's old now. She just turned sixty five, so she's just yeah. uh, she came up here for her birthday this weekend. So we took her fishing. Wow! And uh, have you taken your mom fishing as an adult? Uh you know I haven't really. No, I haven't. That's a whole other experience. You should okay. totally do it. Yeah, before she's gone. Um, and and so I took her fishing on our boat. And Rich Collins, our fly fishing correspondent, came along. And every time we tried to push record, uh, every time we push record, she caught a fish. So we have actually live footage of her catching fish and Rich and I catching nothing. Also on this segment, you're going to hear my kid, Zoe, who's 11. Uh, and uh, hopefully it's a fun, fun little quick uh, sample of where it's like to go on the Fish Nerds Fishing Barge. And if you want to book a fishing trip with me, you can go to fishnerds.com and I'll take you fishing if you pay me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. 21. All right, Fish Nerds. We're... we're we're on uh, Silver Lake this morning on the on the boat on the the fishing beast today. The, the, no we're we're on the lake with no fish. We're on Silver Lake. Actually, there's a bunch of fish under the boat now. No, yeah, right there. Yes, there is. Just no. sitting right there. We've been uh, we've been trolling out here for nigh on uh, seven hours, and uh, barely seen a fish on the on this on the sonar. But with me today, we got Rich Collins. Say hi, Rich. Hey, I saw the sunrise, but no fish. We have Zoe, my daughter. Say hi, Zoe. Hi. Hi. And we have uh, Lynette Groves, my, my mom. Say hi. 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 And we have Ruthie. Say, hey, what do you think about fishing in New Hampshire so far? How many fish have you caught? One. What kind of fish was it? It was a um, bass. It was, it was a bass. What kind of bass? What, was it a small bass? It was a big smallmouth bass. Yeah, we were on, we were on Lake Winnipesaukee yesterday and barely fished. So today we're on Silver Lake and mark the fish. I know we're starting to mark fish, and we and we've been fishing for a long time, trolling, which is not our. Uh... Say it again, Zoe. Trolling doesn't work. Yeah, trolling works for some people in some instances, and there are people every day trolling back and forth across this lake and so we're trying to trying to get some action today which what are your thoughts so far trolling works when you have beer uh-huh. and you have time to kill right and we have neither so we're actually going to troll for another half a mile and then we're going to switch up to bass fishing because we want to catch some fish what do you think zoe i think there's no fish in this lake i've <laughs> caught two fish in my life on this lake so there's no fish and it's in this a lake. long life of fishing <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yet here we are again. Yeah, here we are. Right. Well, I, 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 I'm convinced this lake has a secret, and I am going to put the time in and figure it out. I also know, Rich, that there is the, the lake whitefish live on this lake. Yeah, of course. And I'm after that one, too. It's yeah, kind of like my fish. one fish we need to catch. Someone caught that they brought from home. Because <laughs> they had a home aquarium of lake whitefish. <laughs> <laughs> the only illegal stocking that doesn't work is yeah. in this lake. Now, Rich just got back from fishing. Where were you fishing? I was fishing the Lamar Valley in Yellowstone National Park. Cool. And what were you fishing? Tar- what were you targeting out there? Cutthroat trout and cutthroat trout. Did you get any cut bows <laughs> or just cutthroats? You know, 
I caught one fish. It was smaller than the rest. It gave the biggest, best fight of any fish I've caught all year. I got it in, I was so proud. I was like, that fish gave a great fight. Took some pictures, thought about it later, and that was the rainbow. I got one <laughs> rainbow. You're supposed to kill them instantly because they're invasive, and it was my favorite fish. D did you kill it? I did not. They said, uh, when in doubt, let it go. Mm -hmm. You just know for sure. And uh, do you eat rainbows, Mom? No, I do not eat rainbow trout. Is it, uh, why? Because it's soft, mushy, nasty. There's a fish oh, on. Fish on. <laughs> get up, get it, get it, get it. No, there isn't. Yes. All right, Rich, you're on net duty. Oh, it's always on net duty. Where's the net? Yep, nice and steady retrieve on that one. Turn it over. There you go. Oh, boy. <laughs> Zoe's doing the net business. Uh, how's the fight going so far? It's going good. Yeah? Yep. Good on. Oh, here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, it's going to jump. It's going to jump. Uh-oh. It's a good one. Are we... Here it comes. Here it comes in the water. I see it. It's a bullhead. Oh, my goodness. What is it? That's a salmon. It's a, it's a trout of some sort. It's a rainbow. <laughs> wow, we did it. How do you think of that, Rich? You persevered. I would have quit like three hours ago. <laughs> Suck on that, Silver Lake. Oh, beauty. Oh, All, right. All right, let's take some pictures. Let it go. <laughs> All, right. All right, do you eat fish? Yes, you do. And do you ever, like, when you're fit, do you, are you a strict catch release fly guy, or do you sometimes keep the fish you catch? No, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, with steelhead, we have a lot of hatchery fish. So, mm -hmm. yeah, definitely. I just got a couple this weekend and they are awesome. So, um, yeah, no, I love, I love fish. Yeah, they're so fun. So, we have a segment in the show called Killing Fish in Time with Hugo. Uh, and we love Hugo. He's our resident seagull. He eats anything. I mean, he's <sighs> like into balut and, you know, he'll eat live octopuses, all this kind of stuff. And he's an amazing photographer. Uh, he runs a Facebook group called The Culinary Connection. Uh, but this week, he is talking about fishing and eating crappies. Do you crappie fish out west? Ooh, uh, we do have some. I haven't done it in a while. Oh, it, it's actually my most successful fish on the fly has been crappie. I just cool. have so much fun on a fly. Hey, Fish Nerd friends, Hugo Madero's here, cooking correspondent for the Fish Nerds, checking in uh, here with a quick update for you guys. Uh, I was out this morning in my kayak, and I caught a beautiful uh, crappie. Some people call them calico, the uh, crappie. They're uh, supposed to be great eating. I know I've eaten them before, but it's been a while. can't remember how I liked them. So I'm having a dilemma with my freshwater fish. As I mentioned in uh, one of the other podcasts, I, I'm kind of stuck uh, fishing in uh, fresh water for now because I got all these rotator cuff issues and stuff, so I got to take it easy. And uh, I don't know if uh, I just got spoiled to having fresh uh, ocean fish in my fridge most of the time um, this year and even last year. Um, the last um, one I caught and uh, I talked about uh, with you guys was a uh, big brown trout I got. Well, big. He was nice. Beautiful fish. He was like two pounds, maybe 21, 22 inches. 
and they look gorgeous. And I said, you know what? This is a trout. I've cooked hundreds and hundreds of rainbows and browns and Lakers before. I love them. So I brought it home. Uh, I mentioned the uh, sauce I made in the other podcast. Uh, this beautiful concoction of uh, cilantro and olive oil and garlic and salt and pepper all pureed in the food processor. And um, sat down with my wife. Well, I had that marinade dressing thing all inside and rubbed all over it. It sat in the fridge for a couple hours like that. I was so excited. I cooked it up on the grill, made it really nice, had the skin nice and charred. And uh, we sat down to eat. And I also made these uh, the shrimp. I told you guys I love the, uh, the pink shrimp, the wild shrimp. So we have those and garlic butter. We have the fish. I was pumped. So we go to dig into it, and I look at my wife, and I go, um, what do you think of the uh, trout? She goes, uh, I'm not going to eat it. After she tasted it, and my wife is not picky, and well, you guys know me too, I eat everything. Something about it, I don't know, for, and for me, for it to be tough, it's tough. And I don't know what it was, like I said, I've eaten so many trout in the past, but it was just, the consistency was soft. And it was just tasted like muddy water, despite all that beautiful um, seasoning it had to it. So uh, we did not eat that, and we stuck to the shrimp. So this morning, we're going to see, I just finished, uh, I cooked, I cooked, caught that crappie early this morning. At a great time, I'm going out um, super early in the morning. I get up uh, real early, like 3.30 or 4, usually on the weekdays. And I head out for a couple hours on the kayak before work in the local uh, ponds and lakes that I got. This big crappie. Figured, well, I know these are supposed to be good. We're going to give it a shot. All right, so let's see. Hopefully, I won't have to uh, run to the store and buy a sub for lunch. Here we go. Oh, actually, this is really good. So I just did a... um, it's real simple. Do this for a quick lunch before I have to get to work. I did a McCormick's uh, fish fry uh, seasoning mix. Just sprinkled that on there and uh, quickly pan fried it. No, no, I don't think anybody could complain about this. It's a nice white fillets, nice texture, very delicious. So I may have to. Um, Rethink my plans of all freshwater fish, but this is delicious. That brown trout was uh, nasty, but uh, who knows? Maybe it's whatever it was eating, or it's really hot in uh, late summer here in New England. But wanted to give you guys an update. Maybe uh, I can redeem the freshwater fish for myself before I get back out in the ocean. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Fish guy Josh is back. Uh, he is got a new segment just started last week, and we're going to try it again called Fish Guy Follows, and it's all about who he likes on Instagram and Facebook and the Twitters and all those places. And uh, he's a super nerd; he's always following all these guys. If you want to follow him, go to at Fish Guy Josh on Instagram, and you can see all his nerdy pictures. He's also, uh, I think, his chapter president of uh, NAN for the uh, North American Native Fishes Association. <laughs> What's his uh, What's his specialty? Uh, well, he's a fish biologist out in California, uh, and he works for the uh, regional park district out there. And he drives a truck that has a giant aquarium on the back of it. And he does fishy education on the back of the truck. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Huh. He's a very good photographer. He's a scuba diver, and uh, he just uh, he's just great fun to have on the show. 
Yeah. And he started off as a listener. Like just, you know, we all of our correspondents started off as fans of the show. And now they are part of the show. I should say it right now. We're looking for more. That's cool. So, right. yeah. So if anyone listening, if you've got a thing and you think, oh, you know what your show needs? It needs an aquarium expert. Yeah. Then you're right. We need that person. If it's you, call me or, um, yeah, call me. Call 607-378-FISH and I'll call you back and we'll talk about it. And we'll see if this so, is the show. So what do you think are the topics that you've spent most of your time, a majority on this show um, kind of covering? Or is it? It's a good yeah. question. Because it's mostly me talking, it's mostly fishing in New Hampshire. Uh-huh. And, and uh, because that's, where, that's my world. And that's why I love having other voices, is I want to get people from all over the world, uh, everyone from like chefs and artists and biologists and musicians from all over the place, because fish, fish impact every part of our life. Mm-hmm. And, I, and that's why I, I want more correspondence, because I want to get those stories I can't tell. Welcome, fellow fish nerds, to the latest edition of Fish Guy Follows, with me, your host, Fish Guy Josh, where we take a look at some of the fishiest things in social media, including Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, you name it, we cover it. So hang on tight while the rest of this song rocks your face off, and then sit back and relax. It's time for Fish Guy Follows. I'm excited. Mostly because of that awesome music. Once again, thanks to my good friend Jan and all my other musical buddies down in Louisiana. Uh, some of the coolest musicians I know. It was so awesome of them to make that intro music for me. I'm pumped every time I hear it. It really gets me excited for the segment. So, speaking of segments, let's jump right in, shall we? Today, we're going to cover YouTube's Hank Patterson. That's Hank H-A-N-K and Patterson, P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N. You can find his page on YouTube. If you are into fly fishing, you probably know Hank Patterson, or maybe you don't. And if you don't, you really should. And even if you're not into fly fishing, you don't have to be a fly fisherman to enjoy these videos. They are fantastic. Essentially, Hank Patterson is Titius fly fishing guide, self-proclaimed world's best fly fishing guide, as a matter of fact. These videos are different segments of him and sometimes him and his clients and them training us on how to be better fly fishermen. He also has a couple of feature-length films he made, including um, Real Montana Adventure and Mystery of the Cuddy Rain Brown. He also has a uh, one of his latest projects, Amazon Prime. Uh, he did a sh- an episodic show called Camp Hoggada Doggada, which sounds ridiculous, but if you watch some of these videos, it's all going to make sense to you. And any weird references I make, you're going to uh, suddenly get. It's an interesting story as far as the start of Hank Patterson. He started doing YouTube videos in a few years now. He's been uh, doing this. It actually all started with him and his good, uh, this guy, uh, Travis, who's the actor that plays uh, Hank Patterson, and his good friend, Reese, decided to make the first Hank Patterson film to enter into a fly fishing video contest in the comedy section. Uh, They thought they had a shot. There wouldn't be a lot of entries, so they were going to go for it. And they won, 
And from there, it just kind of blew up and they started creating more and more videos. Most of the early videos are Travis and Reese playing Hank and his favorite client, Crazy Reese, who's kind of the straight man of the group. Some of the stuff that Hank does in these videos is just freaking hilarious. Start at the beginning, the first video, meet Hank Patterson, your fly fishing guide. And if you know anything about fly fishing uh, and how serious fly fishermen can take themselves sometimes, you're going to just absolutely love Hank Patterson. <laughs> Some of the videos are, you know, 12, 15 minutes long. Some are four or five minutes. Some are just a few moments. Uh, and they're all fantastic. Extremely goofy. He's got a uh, webpage, hankpatterson.com, and you can get some awesome swag there. Uh, a lot of cool shirts and hats, his day drinker hat, paralyzer to the chode, menage a midge. Uh, all these may be foreign to you right now, but uh, like I said, watch, watch a few of those first videos and, and you'll start laughing at all those terms next time you hear them. It's kind of an interesting story besides the fact that, you know, this all started on them doing a, a contest and just seeing if they could win the, the, the GoPro camera that was up for grabs as well as $1,000 prize money. But there's sort of this really cool underlying meaningful reason for why they do this is, you know, they first entered this contest so they could use the prize money to make a film about real recovery. Real recovery was the real reason they, they even made Hank Patterson. It was just sort of a, a means to an end to get to get that other film rolling. Now, that film is about, like I said, real recovery, which is, um, I don't know all the details of it, but basically it's, it's fly fishing trips up in Idaho where these guys are from for people who are suffering from cancer. And uh, unfortunately, uh, one of the reasons they started this was because Reese had a very long battle with cancer and his experience at Real Recovery was so moving that they felt like they wanted to make a film about this. But like I said, Hank Patterson just kind of started blowing up on YouTube and uh, they actually got sponsored by Orvis, a couple other companies, and uh, really got moving. Jeez, I think almost five years ago now is when it started and, and they still, they're still making videos now product goes up and up each time. Sometimes there's a little bit of a, a gap between films. However, uh, you can follow Hank Patterson also on Instagram, which is just Hank Patterson, one word. Again, that's H-A-N-K-P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N. All of the Instagram photos are basically taken and posted and narrated from the perspective of Hank Patterson, the actor himself is not part of the social media or the video. You're never going to hear the name Travis except for articles about the show or when he gets real and starts talking about Reese and, and, and the work they do with cancer stuff. It is a bummer and a spoiler alert here. If you don't want to hear about this, want to watch the videos, go ahead and, and, and mute now. But unfortunately, Reese uh, eventually passed away from his battle with cancer, and it was a really moving speech that that Hank that that Hank slash Travis gave uh, about his friend when he did pass away. And he he actually as as his battle with cancer got a little uh, a little harder on him, he stopped being in the videos, uh, and the videos continued on. But but Travis will tell you that uh, he's been quoted many times as saying, you know, the idea was always Reese's, and without Reese, it wouldn't have been possible. Even when he wasn't on camera anymore. He was still trying to be part of it. Um, and so, like I said, there's sort of this, this warm 
a good vibe that goes along with what seems like on the outside such an utterly ridiculous show. Really cool stuff. You can buy his movies on his webpage. Like I said, you can buy his gear on his webpage. But uh, do yourself a favor and just start off on YouTube. Hank Patterson. If you like it, give him a subscribe. Uh, I really think you'll enjoy it if you know, like I said, anything about fly fishing or fishing guides, anything of that nature. I think you're going to really have a good time. Check it out. Hank Patterson. News, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish in the news. I love fish in the news. Everybody loves a fish in the news. Before we jump into the news, Doc Martin is back. We do a series of uh, fake fish in the news where she reads me a news story and I and I tell you, the listeners, uh, whether I think it's true or false, whether it's fake news or real news. If you want to follow Doc Martin, just go join the Fish Nerds uh, podcast group and you can chat with her there. She'll ignore you everywhere else. Boop. Recording. Okay. So Clint Eastwood uh, and, and Ron Howard and Matthew McConaughey decide to make a movie together. <laughs> Clint Eastwood said, I'm going to act. And Ron Howard said, I'll direct. And Matthew McConaughey said, said all right all right all right right. (laughs) boo boo (laughs) it's terrible you've heard that yes well i mean that's kind of what matthew mcconaughey does all right yeah why why can't matthew mcconaughey go left in a car (laughs) all right he only turns all right all All right right, right. (laughs) every matthew mcconaughey joke ends with with that exactly the same yeah that's really funny (laughs) okay all right um. So Clay, mm-hmm. what is a fish? Ooh, I want to start this is with a that. classic question, right? Mm-hmm. So this is one of the, I, this is when I whenever I'm talking doing fish talks, people who don't know fish, I always start with this question mm-hmm. because it's a good. It's hard because we can define mammals very easily. Oh, actually, why don't we define mammals? Oh, okay. We're, we're gonna get weird here. We're gonna define mammals. Yeah. So I, I, when I'm teaching this to kids. I give them some really basic six things that mammals share, right? Mm. Mammals have teeth, mm-hmm. live young, mm-hmm. milk, mm-hmm. Uh, hair, mm-hmm. Uh, they have uh, backbones, mm-hmm. um, and they're, they're warm-blooded. So yep. those are the six things I teach when I do kids. I mean, you can do those six things. If you have all those in common, there's a good bet you're a mammal, right? Yep. Okay. Am I wrong? No. Okay. No. Yeah. No. I'm agreeing. I'm always like. I'm good. always like because because you know more stuff than me. That's where I get nervous. <laughs> no. So then when I do fish, I, mm-hmm. I'll start with that and I'll say, okay, now define fish. Mm-hmm. And the kids will raise their hands and they'll say, all fish have backbones. And I'll go, no. And they'll go, well, all fish have scales. And I'll go, no. All fish have gills. And I'll go, no. All fish are cold-blooded. And I'll go, not really. <laughs> and you know, so in, and so fish are much harder to define. And so we define them more as what they're not. <laughs> they're not all the other huh? things. They are fish. That's good. Yeah, that, that's, that's where I'm at with fish. Okay, right. so we've, I can't, we've got... I can't define them well. Bony fishes, we can get into it, but... Well, it, get, it, gets, it gets hairier. Yes. <laughs> You're going to uh, appreciate that joke in um, five minutes from now. I can't wait. I can't okay. wait. So now we've kind of defined fish-ish. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Which is how we define fish. Yeah, yeah. fish-ish. That's why I love them. And uh, we've defined mammals. Uh-huh. Okay, they do share a few characteristics, sure, like backbones and things like that. Yeah, um, some. So now it brings me to my my story. Uh-huh. You're gonna have to tell me if it's real or fake. All right. Um, so 
this guy from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Fake. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Everything, there's there's every, no men in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is pretend. <laughs> doesn't oh, exist. There's no fish there. They just make cheese. That's Clay's all I know. Clay's never been there. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't I have never there. seen it. <laughs> it's not real. Okay. So he has this picture, which I'll show you in a second. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to share a remarkable catch that he had one afternoon in May of 2015. Okay, so good. So he's good. I mm-hmm. like that's recent. And he was fishing on the Menominee River. Mm-hmm. And he caught some trout mm-hmm. packed in a bottleneck. He caught a few that were totally normal. And then he reeled in this one. Oh, boy. He's never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. He contacted the local wildlife official. And they were over the moon. Of course. About how rare this fish was. <laughs> so it was an extreme case of sapro. Legnia. Sapro Legnia. Mm-hmm. So let's take that apart. Okay. Sapro from the Latin term for tree sap. <laughs> and what's the other sapro? <laughs> I think Legnia. Legnia. Legnia mean alleged, meaning lies. Okay. Okay. You're so close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so uh, it was so exciting because of this rare, <laughs> I don't know if this is uh, genetic or an, or an infection. I don't know. Uh, but he got it mounted. Mm-hmm. So, it was the rare fur-bearing trout. Mm, now, now, this is a trout I've seen before. Oh, okay. In Maine. In mm-hmm. Moosehead, Maine, there is a little shop up there, a gift shop called Camp Camp. Mm-hmm. And they have one of these mounted on the wall. And it's called a fur-bearing trout. Mm-hmm. And it was caught in the 1920s. And it's right next to the jackalope mount. Oh, it's right yeah. on the same wall, and mm-hmm. they, you know, I got to, they, I had them take it down. And I got to touch it, and it felt very real to me. Mm-hmm. And as we know from the Varmint podcast, jackalope real. Oh, uh, they they tend to explode if they get wet, and there's all kinds of things you got to worry about with jackalopes. Gotcha. Um, however, is this real? And mm-hmm. so, have you heard of black hairy tongue syndrome? Mm-hmm. By the way, we're going to pay a toll right now. <laughs> You've heard of black hairy tongue? If yes. you, if you, ha- by listeners who have not heard of black hairy tongue, do not Google black hairy tongue syndrome. It's a bacterial infection uh, that you can get in your tongue that you grow black hair, but the hair is just a fungus. And and for the record, the the saprolegnia, that's a real thing that trout do get. Really? Yes. So that's is, real. What is that? Um, it is. I don't know. I think it's some kind of infection. I don't know if it's like a mold or a bacterial infection, but like the black hairy tongue, mm-hmm. it's related somehow to that. But basically it grows on the outside of the fish. Right. So the question we're going to answer today, is the fur-bearing trout news real news? Right. And uh, I'm thinking I want this to be real. Okay. I, I would love it to be real. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to go with, you know, here's the question. Do I want to be right or do I want to be made fun of? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, but why not both? Why not? I'm gonna be my, no matter what, I'm getting made. I, it's, it's pretend. Mm-hmm. Full on pretend. But I conceptually love it. Like, I love it like I love the jackalope. So we're going to go with fake news? Yes. Correct. Yes. It's completely <laughs> fake. And actually, the, the actual disease, right, the saprolegia. Hang on, we're paying a toll. Okay. Paying a toll. Pause. Hi there. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Why do I say thank you when I give people money? Well, they let you through. <laughs> let me drive on your road. <laughs> Here's a dollar. <laughs> Uh, okay, so the actual disease that they have, mm-hmm. it does affect fish, yep. but it doesn't actually look anything like fur. It just kind of looks like a, dis- a white discoloration, so it's not fuzzy at all. Yeah, I think I've seen it. Is it fungal? 
I don't know. It yeah. doesn't say here. Because I've seen fish with this kind of description on them, and it looks like fungus to me. Yeah. It looks like an athlete's foot type. That's what I would guess, but I, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't say with conviction. Probably yeah. fungi or bacteria. Those are the common things. Yeah, but I, I do love fur-bearing trout, and I have seen them mm-hmm. with my eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, know. there's some pictures here. Like, I'm looking yeah. at them. I, well, I've touched them. Yeah, there's one mounted on a wall in Wisconsin. Yeah, man, I'll, I'll have to get, dig through my archive. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the Fish Nerd News feed, there's a picture of the fur-bearing trout from Maine. But but it is absolutely fake, and most of them uh, are covered in, in rabbit fur. Oh, that's where they went wrong. Yeah. Yeah, different kind of fur. People believe it. Like, if you were to put an animal fur on fish, what do you think would be the most appropriate? Actually, what I would use is the bird, the kiwi, because mm-hmm. that already looks a lot like fur, but it's actually feathers. feathers. Now, now, feathers on a fish, I would find more believable, mm-hmm. you know, because a modified scale or something exactly. like that. So that's what I would pick. Yeah. God, are there any examples of fish that have feathers? I'd say like, the closest would have to be like a flying fish. Yeah. Because that's kind of feathery, but that's not the same. Yeah, Because that's no. like an appendage. Yeah. Curious. Mm. I bet no. But I wonder if there's like anything like in there. like a leafy sea dragon. They have those projections. Oh, yeah. And some of these fish look, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, fish fish look weird, dude. They're totally weird. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I mean, you can't call them feathers. No, I, we couldn't. So you would be, you would be a very bad fish scientist if That's you right. did that. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, it's got feathers. It's a rooster fish. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Cock-a-doodle-doo. All right. Thanks, Doc. Yep. <laughs> First up. This is from Barstool Sports. And this is for real news, by the way. This is not fake news, but it's a great headline. Police shut down a Kuwaiti fish market after they were caught using googly eyes to make the fish appear more fresh. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Kuwait police, they shut down this thing. So basically, there's not really a story here. This is basically a series of fish pictures with googly eyes. So, you know, do you know do you have, when you're at a fish market how do you tell fish are fresh what's your go-to oh man i you know i just kind of look at the um i just kind of look at them i mean you could tell by the the flesh you can tell by the flesh but a lot of people say you can tell by the eyes if the eyes are nice Not and kidding. clear it's a fresh fish there you go uh, so these guys in Kuwait just put googly <laughs> eyes on them uh so i'll read you the article uh how long could this fish store possibly have per- perpetrated this facade 15 20 minutes max you pick up one of those fish and the eye is sliding right off little or no chance these things are staying applied this slimy dead fish eye um but they got busted um <laughs> just got busted can you just imagine going to a fish market oh my god I- i'm not gonna read the story it's a dumb story but uh yeah. but it makes me want to uh next time i catch a fish and it dies stick some googly eyes on there because uh that's the kids would love it Oh, it's so funny. It may not be true. Now I'm looking at it a little closer. This may be fake. Um, the Barstool Sports can't be a news source. It can't be real. But I, I couldn't help but share it. So, but hey, what would you do? If you went to a fish market and you saw googly eyes on a fish, would you buy them? Uh, you know, maybe. I mean, I think it'd be fun. It'd be entertaining, especially if the kids were there. That's what I mean. And the kids would love it. I yeah, if the price is right, I'm in. Yeah, exactly. I can deal with some old fish if the eyes are cute. Yep. Um, fun thing to do, by the way, is go to your local craft store and buy a bunch of googly eyes. And then when your family's away, all the pictures on the walls, stick them googly eyes on all the eyes. <laughs> and don't ever mention it. Just do it and deny it forever that you've done it. It's just, well, it's- I'll tell you, I, I, I with uh, in my family, I have a hard time keeping up because I'm kind of, the, I guess, more of the straight one. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife just bought a... Um, a gorilla suit. We were at mm-hmm. the uh, 
<laughs> kind of the market the other uh, this week, and uh, she found a, a, something she couldn't pass up. So, so yeah, she's going to surprise. Uh, she said she was going to jump out of the woods, but I told her maybe that's not a good idea to surprise her friends because she might get shot. So yeah, probably. Well, I mean, our, so I don't know about Oregon. New Hampshire has a pretty strong gun culture. So is Oregon the same kind of thing? Is there a lot of guns out there? Lots of guns. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand yep. it, but they're here. They're yep. everywhere. We have a neighbor. Uh, we had a bear problem uh, a couple of years ago, and I'm the mayor of our road, uh, Allen Siding Road. So whenever something happens, my I'm not really the mayor, but for some reason, I'm the guy who everyone calls. And so there were all these gunshots in the neighborhood, and my phone rings. And it's like, Clay, are you shooting guns? I'm like, yeah, no, I don't have a gun. I don't even own a gun. And I said, well, can you figure out why it's happening? I'm like, well, I'm not really in charge of the neighborhood. So I go knocking <laughs> on doors because, of course, I have to check it out. And my neighbor opens his door and I said, are you shooting your guns? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm shooting the guns. There's a bear in the backyard trying to eat my chickens. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And I went, all right, um, people are calling me about it. He goes, oh, don't worry. I didn't, I didn't kill the bear. I just wanted to scare him away. <laughs> And I looked down, and right next to his leg is like a, I, I want to say AK-47 or M6. No way. I don't know, I don't know guns. Yep. I said, did you use that gun? He goes, oh, no, no. That's if it comes in the house. Um, <laughs> again, because right. the bears do break in our houses around here. And I said, oh, okay. Um, well, maybe uh, you know, maybe less gunshots might be good for the neighborhood. And he goes, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, is your wife home alone right now? And I said, yeah. He goes, does she have a gun? I said, no. Okay. And he opens up a drawer, and he hands me a pistol. No way. And I said, what, what's this for? He goes, oh, give it to your wife, uh, and then she can protect herself from the bears. Oh, my god! I said, yeah, no, this isn't going to work. And I put the gun down. He goes, oh, I get it. Opens another drawer and hands me a smaller gun. It's pink. <laughs> Under that oh, one, man. keep it for as long as you want. Don't worry about it. Really? But for him, the idea that I didn't need, like, I didn't want a gun. Couldn't, he couldn't connect with that. It was, I just don't have the right gun. Yep, so, and, that, and that's a true story, a pink gun. Yeah, yeah, that's New Hampshire. That's he was super excited about it. like he really wanted to like it's like lending a shovel that's a great shovel oh, yeah and to him it's just a tool it's his culture i yeah. my world but super nice guy you know no no when, I the have zombie, that. when the zombie apocalypse comes yeah i'm hiding with him that's it yeah, yeah. he's the guy he's your best friend exactly <laughs> i don't understand so, uh this is from <laughs> this is from Reed GH News, red or Red GH. Uh, guy's penis stung by stingray while, while swimming in the ocean. Guy's penis stung by stingray oh while swimming in the ocean. This is why you're only swimming he pants. He deserves it. He deserves it, yes. I know. If you're swimming naked. All right. Uh, so. <laughs> wow. So nobody wants to get stung by a stingray. But if you had to protect one part of your body from its barbed tail, then it would be quite possibly be your family jewels. Yeah. Unfortunately, for one swimmer, a sunny day at the beach turned into a nightmare after a stingray snuck its tail into his shorts, clamping painfully onto his genitals. Oh, <laughs> he was wearing shorts and everything. Oh. I would wear armored shorts. Uh, an agonizing incident was filmed. Oh, God, thank God. On the beach in Sanya uh, in the Henan province of South China uh, and shows the unlikely young man lying on the sand, his face contorted with sheer anguish. The offending stingray lies silently beside <laughs> quiet stingray. Uh, the unnamed holiday maker had reportedly been enjoying a paddle in the sea when he got too close for the stingray. He had uh, ran back to shore while crying out completely in a completely understandable torment. The footage shows a stung man surrounded by crowds of horrified onlookers, including 
worried-looking police officers who <laughs> crouch behind him sympathetically to assess his injuries. God, what a terrible job oh, wow. to have to assess those injuries. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's like almost like no comment on that one. I know. Uh, so here's what this says. Uh, according to Healthline.com, if you're stung by a stingray, you'll feel immediately severe pain at the wound site. You'll need to begin treating the wound right away if it's superficial. Uh, if the barb has punctured your throat, neck, or abdomen, or chest, or has pierced completely through part of your body, don't attempt to remove it. Seek emergency attention. Otherwise, oh. remain in the ocean and pull the barb out if you can. Allow the salt water to clean the wound while applying pressure to both slow the bleeding and encourage the venom to come out. My God. Jeez. To clear out any additional debris you might see in the cut or puncture while you're still in the water. Uh, try to clear it out. Pay close attention to how you feel in the, string, in the sting's aftermath possible to have a life-threatening allergic reaction so uh the takeaway here i i don't swim in, don't swim in china i don't even know yeah but here's the question uh would you eat a stingray that injured you um i yeah i mean i would eat anything i'm kind of yeah yeah i would i mean i think that one especially i would yeah. eat. i'd be like you know, like i'm in pain but he's coming home oh yeah yeah, he owes us. The minimum, the least he can do is pretend to be scallops for a couple hours. Totally. <laughs> Make you feel. Are stingrays good? Or are they? Uh, they are. In fact, you yeah. can. A lot of people, some, some uh, fish markets, will punch out of the wings, uh, fake scallops. Oh wow! And they yeah. pan sear those in butter, and you're good to go. I know. There you go. Yeah. yeah. One more news story here from New Hampshire. So that's uh, that's the news. Nice. Yeah, we that did was, some news. So that was, that was some amazing stories there. The, uh, <laughs> is it always this uh, uh, entertaining with the uh, and the diversity? Yeah, it's always this important. We do only the most important uh, news okay. stories, the ones that touch <laughs> your heart the most and warm your insides up. And we almost always talk about penises. Okay, so, yeah, the ones that make you cringe. And, yeah, yeah okay. we can't help ourselves. Hey, Dave, thanks so much uh, for being part of this show. I, I'm going to give you the last words. So what's the takeaway? What do you want our listeners to do to help your show or help you out? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, it's funny because I've been thinking, I, you know, the last six months as this show has been going, like, how do I reach new people and share? And I think this is the best way, just connecting <clears throat> with a new a new audience. And my whole goal is to teach people, get more people into fly fishing. So I think the best thing is just go over, over to uh, wetflyswing.com. And if you go to uh, slash show, you can check out all the podcast episodes there and just start listening. There's a bunch of good ones. If you're into trout fishing, the recent episodes are all about trout. Um, if you have a question, you can check in with me. If you want to get into fly tying, the, uh, just go to flytyingmentor.com and you can sign up there and I'll send out some information on uh, what we have over the next two months uh, with that uh, with that launch. So, uh, so that's it. Uh, you've listened to a bunch of nerds uh, when you should have been fishing. We've touched on penises and uh, uh, all other good penises. stuff. Yeah, nice job. <laughs> so, so I think we, I think, I think we've covered it all. We've done it. Uh, we totally did it. So, uh, special thanks to Fish Guy Josh, Doc Martin, Hugo Medeiros, Rich Collins, Ma Groves, uh, Zoe Groves, my daughter, and of course Dave from the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. Go to your Apple Podcast, your Google Play, or yell, hey, Siri, subscribe to the Wet Fly Swing Podcast now. Give Dave a little love. And also, listen to his show. Give him feedback. Dave wants to hear what you think. You know, What do you like about this show? How can he improve? What do you want to hear? Uh, because he needs you to listen. Yeah, that would be awesome. So, 
Until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds, spawn early and often. Never trust a free lunch with strings attached. And swim against the current every chance you get. You did it, Dave. You made a podcast. Oh, my gosh. I know. Thanks for being awesome. part of this. Yeah. That was fun, man. That was a... Uh, that was a that was a great show. Yeah.